Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. Sometimes we might get a little more sophisticated or too big for our britches, as my papa used to say. And uh, we think we've got it all figured out. And, uh, you know, we live in a society today that, you know, they often think they've got it all figured out. So it doesn't hurt us sometimes to go all the way back to the beginning and see how God created it to begin with. Because when he creates something, he makes it right the first time. Amen? As we read verses 26 through 28 of Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. The title of this message this morning is Life is Precious. And the reason why is because life was given to us by God. You know, God created marriage and family before he created any other institution, including the church. Marriage and family was the first thing that God created. It was his design that children would grow up in a loving home under the guidance and protection and security of a godly mother and a godly father. However, in our society today, after decades of divorce, tearing marriages apart and families falling apart, we now have a society where many fathers are not taking responsibility and they're walking out on their families. We have children who have no respect for authority. We have single parents that are struggling to raise their children alone. We have people looking for love in all the wrong places because they didn't see it modeled at home when they were growing up. My friend, our society is reflecting what happens when God's design is not followed. And even today, we have, you know, we saw in our text from verse 27 that God created male and female, but today we have gender confusion. We have so-called experts saying that you can be one of any 16 different genders. You don't have to be just male or female. Well, the devil is a liar. So we need to go back to the beginning and see how it was created, how it was established to help give us some guidance here in the 21st century. Today is National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And I want to ask you a question to think about. And the question is this. Are you anti-abortion or are you pro-life? Because there's a difference between the two. You see, anti-abortionists often overlook people's needs. They just want to stop abortion by any means necessary. These are the people that you'll find who will go out and try to blow up an abortion clinic. These are the people who will attack doctors and nurses. These are the people who will degrade mothers for their choice. I want to tell you this morning, we are not called to be anti-abortion. We are called to be pro-life because there is a difference. 
We cannot champion the lives of the unborn without also championing the lives of the hurting mothers because all lives matter. I said all lives matter. So we, if we're not careful, we can cross that fine line between from being pro-life to being anti-abortion. You see, friends, when you're pro-life, that means there's no room for prejudice because all lives matter. When you are pro-life, it means the body of Christ is not segregated because all lives matter regardless of skin color, regardless of social standing. You see, God can help you love your neighbor as yourself. That means being pro-life. That means loving everyone. That's what God has commanded us to be. And on this Sunday, we are commemorating back in 1971, a young lady, a 21-year-old lady by the name of Norma McCorvey, who was unmarried and pregnant for the third time. She decided that she did not want another baby, and so she lied And she claimed that she had been raped and agreed to become plaintiff Jane Roe in the court case Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion in this country. Now, McCorvey never had the abortion because the case slowly wound its way up the legal ladder and the baby was born and ended up being adopted. 47 years ago on January 22nd, 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court declared in a 7-2 decision that women have a constitutional right to abortion. And since January 22nd, 1973, almost 63 million babies have died because of abortion. That's more than all the casualties of every major war the U.S. has been involved in. We have killed more of our own than we've ever lost in any battle we fought. Brothers and sisters, that's why we need to understand what being pro-life is really means. You see, it's not a political issue. It has been a biblical issue from the very beginning, as we just read. You know, just because something is legal in America doesn't make it right in God's eyes. And as we as Christians, we have to decide sometimes between what is allowed in this country and what God says is right and wrong. For example, pornography is legal in in this country, but I want to tell you pornography is wrong in God's sight because it debases women, it holds men enslaved to lust, and it tears relationships apart. God don't like it, and it's a sin. Another thing, alcohol is legal in this country if you are 21 years of age, yet it destroys families. It causes 28% of traffic-related deaths in the U.S. every year. My friends, it is bad for us. God says stay away from it. We're also beginning to see the negative effects of recreational marijuana use as marijuana use is becoming legal across this country. Same-sex marriage is becoming legal across this country. I want to tell you, friends, I know they want to make these issues political issues, but God has something to say about every one of these things in his word. They've been biblical issues long before politics ever got their hands on them. And if you really want to find out what God thinks about those issues, get in the word of God. And when it comes to the sanctity of human life, it affects everybody. It affects the way we see everything around us in our world, including the way we treat other people. That's why today we need to know what God says about it. And so as briefly as I can, I want to share with you four things that God says about life. The first one is life is created in God's image. That's what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. That God, when he created mankind, he created us, you and I, in his own image. That's how special you are. 
Everything else in creation, God spoke the word and it came to pass. But when it came to man, men and women, God laid his hands on us. He reached down the earth and got dust and he formed man from the clay of the dust. And then when he created woman, he opened up Adam's side and he reached in and got a rib from him, from his side. He didn't take a bone from his head so she could rule over him. And he didn't take a bone from his foot so he could kick her around. He took a bone from his side so she could come alongside him and he could wrap his arms of love around her and protect her and know that this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. When it came to you and I, God laid his hands on you. That's how special you are. And he created you in his image. Now, does that mean that God looks like us if we're created in his image? No, that's not what it means at all. Because the Bible tells us in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, God's image in mankind is a spiritual image. God is a triune being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so when he created man, he made us a triune being as well. We, are, we have body, soul, and mind. So that's where the image comes from. And a child does not need to come out of the womb to have God's image on them. It's already there. In fact, once there is life, no matter how small that life is, the Spirit of God is indelibly stamped on that life. Even if they come out with birth defects, even if they're born with Down syndrome, it doesn't matter if they have autism or if they're just hyper. It doesn't matter how they come out. The image of God is stamped on their life because life is created in the image of God. And that's why abortion is not just a woman's problem. It affects every single person in this country. Financial experts tell us that when Generation X, those that are born after 1964, when they are ready to file for Social Security, there may not be enough taxpayers and wage earners to support them. Why? Because we've killed almost 63 million of us through abortion. In some areas, abortions among church members are almost as high as those outside the church but they're kept secret. Well, why is that? I'll tell you why. Because many people don't realize how special they are, that they have God's image on them, that you are made in the image of God. You know, many people know about Roe versus Wade, but I want to tell you the rest of the story. I told you about how that Norma McCorvey was just 21 years old and pregnant for the third time, and that she lied and said that she was raped and she became Jane Roe. But here's the rest of her story. Norma ended up writing two books. Her first book is called, it's an autobiography of her life. It's called I Am Roe. And in it, she tells how her father left the family when she was 13 years old and her parents divorced. She and her older brother were raised by their mother, Mildred, who turned out to be a violent alcoholic. McCorvey had trouble with law enforcement that started at the age of 10 years old when she robbed a cash register at a gas station and ran away with a friend. They tricked a hotel worker into letting them rent a room and were there for two days until a maid discovered them. McCorvey was arrested and brought to court where she was declared a ward of the state and sent to state-run institutions. She was sent to the state school for girls in Gainesville, Texas, on and off from ages 11 to 15. After being released, McCorvey lived with her mother's cousin who allegedly raped her every night for three weeks. Later, while working at a restaurant... 
Norma met a man by the name of Woody McCorvey, and she married him at the age of 16. She left him after he allegedly assaulted her. She moved in with her mother and gave birth to her first child named Melissa. After Melissa's birth, McCorvey developed a severe drinking problem. Soon after, she began identifying as a lesbian, and Melissa was adopted by Norma's mother. Then she had her second child. Her second child was adopted by the baby's father under one condition that McCorvey never attempt to contact her at all. Her third child, which was the baby that she had in the Roe versus Wade case, was placed for private adoption. Norma did not understand that she had been made in the image of God. Nobody ever told her that. And she, when she saw her own children, she didn't realize that her own children were made in the image of God. Brothers and sisters, can you imagine what a decision that Roe versus Wade could not, that may not have even been made if somebody had told Norma, you are made in the image of God and he loves you. Can you imagine One life, brothers and sisters, this is why it's so important that all of us as children of God, whether you've ever had a baby or not, this affects all of us. We have got to understand that everyone is made in the image of God and we've got to get that message out to the people around us, especially those who feel helpless and hopeless. Job said this in Job 33, 4, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. My friend, today you were created by God in his image. You are special today. Hallelujah. The second thing the Bible tells us about life is life begins at the moment of conception. Life begins at the moment of conception. God told Jeremiah this about himself in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Listen to what he said. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Now think about that. The God of the universe knew you before you were conceived. He knew you before you came out of your mother's womb, and he's the one who placed you in your mother's womb. You know what that tells me? That tells me that nobody is born by accident. God knows us before we were ever conceived. My friend, even if you're listening to me today and you've been adopted, listen, you are not an accident. God created you for a purpose. He put everything in place so you could end up with the right family who would love you and help you fulfill your destiny. Because I want to tell you something. Who you came from is more important than who you came through. You came from God Almighty, and your earthly parents may have birthed you in this earth, but my friend, who you came from is more important than who you came through because you are special. Hallelujah. Moms and dads, be godly examples for your children that God has called you to be. And children, honor your parents as the ones that God has given you to protect you and care for you. We see another example of this, not just from Jeremiah, but with John the Baptist. The Bible tells us about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. This is what the angel said about John the Baptist before he was born. Listen. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. John the Baptist received the Holy Ghost while he was in his mother's womb. And then a few verses later in chapter uh, chapter 1 of verse 41, it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth 
heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. John, as still a, a baby in his mother's womb, recognized Jesus' presence. Jesus was still a baby in his mother's womb. And when Mary walked in and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, when they heard the salutation of Mary, John leaped in his mother's womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, that's hard to do if you're a blob of tissue. If you're just a mindless blob of goo somewhere in a mother's womb, my friend, my friend, that's why life it begins at the moment of conception. And even science tells us that today. Today, unborn babies can be viewed and photographed in detail while still in their mother's womb. Organs can be identified and fingers can be counted. Heartbeats and brain waves can be monitored. Delicate surgery can even be performed while still in the mother's womb now. Science tells us all this proves the unborn are human beings, not mindless blobs of goo or tissue. Let me continue with Norma McCorvey's story. McCorvey became a Christian. She found Jesus. She finally realized one day that I was made in the image of God. She left the lesbian lifestyle and she was baptized. And she's been 100% pro-life ever since. She became an advocate of Operation Rescue's campaign to make abortion illegal. I'm talking about the woman who helped make, who was part of the case who legalized abortion. She's now fighting against it. McCorvey's second book is called One by Love. It was published in 1998. She explained her change on the stance of abortion with the following comments, and I quote, I was sitting in Operation Rescue's offices when I noticed a fetal development poster. Something in that poster made me lose my, my breath. I kept seeing the picture of that tiny 10-week-old embryo, and I said to myself, that's a baby. It's as if blinders had just fell off my eyes, and I suddenly understood the truth. That's a baby. Abortion wasn't about products of conception. It was about children being killed in their mother's wombs. All those years, I was wrong. No more first trimester, second trimester, third trimester stuff. Abortion at any point was wrong. It was so clear to me, it was painfully clear, end quote. Brothers and sisters, God is the giver of life. And Norma finally realized that. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 44, 24, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that makes all things my friends, life begins at the moment of conception. And for those of you who may have had a miscarriage, I want to speak to you today. My heart goes out to you. My mom had a miscarriage as well between me and my brother. So I know that somewhere in heaven I have a brother or a sister waiting on me right now. And for those of you who have had miscarriages, your baby is alive and well. And they're waiting on you in heaven. My friend, you've got all the more reason now to go to heaven than you had before. Because you see, life begins at the moment of conception. You don't have to come from your mother's womb to be, have life. Like God is the giver of life. The third thing the Bible says about life is that life is sacred. Life is sacred. Murder is forbidden in the Bible. It's the sixth of the Ten Commandments. It says this, thou shalt not kill. Even a miscarriage caused by violence 
is condemned and judged in the Bible. You can read that in Exodus chapter 21, verse 22. It says this, If men strive at each other and they hurt a woman with child so that her baby departs from her, he shall be uh, surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he will pay as the judges determine. So even in the Old Testament, if someone caused a woman to lose her baby, it was judged because life is sacred. Now you might be thinking, well, Pastor Doug, I hear what you're saying, but what about women who are victims of rape and incest? What about them? Well, I want to share something with you. I want you to look at the screen here. According to the National Right to Life, these are the reasons that post-abortive women gave for having their abortion. 22% of them said, I wasn't ready for the responsibility, so they killed the baby. Another 22% said they had inadequate finances to take care of it, so they killed the baby. Another 17% said that their life would be changed too much, so they ended the child's life. Another 13% were unmarried. And another 11% said they were too immature. Another 8% said, I already have enough children. And out of that list, only 1% did it because of a case of rape or incest. My friends, if abortion was only done in case of rape and incest, we wouldn't be having this sermon this morning. We wouldn't even hear about it on the news media. Nobody would even be talking about it. Why? Because only 1% of cases ever happened. And in those cases, in those cases, when the abortion is performed, the woman is victimized again with the abortion. And then it is the baby that pays for the rapist crime. Brothers and sisters, those who have been involved in rape and incest, or even those who have, been, who have made the decision for an abortion, I want to tell you something. We're not rebuking you. We love you, and I want you to know that you were created in the image of God, and that God loves you today, and that if it, the Bible tells us it doesn't matter what we have done in our past. God will forgive us, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what we have done. God loves you, and he wants you to know that life is sacred, and you are special to him. Former President George W. Bush said this, and I quote, Every person, however frail or vulnerable, has a place and a purpose in this world. This right to life cannot be granted or denied by government because it does not come from government. It comes from the creator of life, end quote. My friends, it is a violation of God's law to take an innocent life because human life is sacred. And that's why, my friends, this is an election year. And we need to find out where the presidential candidates stand on this issue because we see from the word of God, we see where God stands on it, and we need to make sure that we vote accordingly. And by the way, because life is sacred, if you're having thoughts of suicide, if you're having thoughts of hurting yourself or cutting yourself, harming yourself, listen to me, the devil is lying to you. He doesn't want you to know how special you are. He wants you to end your life before you can reach your full potential in God. But my friend, the devil is a liar. You are special. Life is sacred and God loves you. And we love you. The fourth and final point this morning is this. The Bible tells us that life belongs to God. Life belongs to God. Well, Pastor Doug, a woman has the right to do what she wants to with her body. Yes, she does. I agree with that. If it's her body. If it's her body, that's fine. 
But let's look at what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have of God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, Christians are called to account for everything they do with their bodies because their body belongs to God. It's not just the spiritual things. It's not just your soul that God owns. It's our bodies as well. And by the way, the unborn child has its own body. Science tells us this, that even on day one, the day of fertilization, all human chromosomes are present and human life begins. By day 18, the baby's heart begins to beat with its own blood, which is often a different blood type than the mother's. Mom, it's not your body. It's a different body there. By week six, brain waves are there. The mouth and the lips and the fingers have formed. By week eight, every organ and bones and fingerprints are are there. And by week 17, the baby begins to dream. My friends, we've been lied to. The media has lied to us. Politicians have lied to us. Abortion does not improve the health or status of women because studies show that a marked increase in depression and suicide rates among those who have had abortions. Also, they have a 50% increased risk of breast cancer for those who've had abortion. And they also tell us that over 50,000 women die every year from abortions. How is that helping women? You see, in February of 2005, Norma McCorvey, with her eyes open to the truth and now being a child of God, she petitioned the Supreme Court to overturn the Roe versus Wade decision, arguing as one of the original litigants that the case should be heard again in light of evidence that the procedure harms women. But the petition was denied because the Supreme Court considered the matter to be moot. Brothers and sisters, I've got good news for you today. God offers forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you've done, God can forgive you. It doesn't matter if you're a murderer, a liar, a cheater, an adulterer. It doesn't matter what you've done, God can forgive you and he wants to forgive you today. But the choice is yours. I don't want to inflict any more guilt or shame upon those who've had an abortion. That is not the purpose of this message. What I want to do this morning is I want to send a wake-up call to Christians and to Christian churches. Nearly 63 million babies are compelling me to speak out this morning because their voices have been silenced. Do you realize this morning that 63% of post-abortive women say they may have made a different decision if they had had one person stand beside them during pregnancy. I believe Norma McCorvey would have made a different decision if her mom or somebody in her life would have stood by her. But she didn't have anybody. Where was the church? Where were the Christians? Where are we today? You see, we can't, you see, anybody can carry a picket sign and be anti-abortion, but where are those who will be pro-life? Where are those who will show the love of Christ and go in the delivery room with the unwed mothers and say, honey, you hold on because that baby's made in the image of God and so are you. God loves you and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. 
My friends, we're not called to be anti-abortion. We're called to be pro-life because all lives matter. I wish I had a witness in here today. Anybody glad that God is pro-life? You see, our churches should be the first places women go when they have an unplanned pregnancy to find love and acceptance and forgiveness and hope because we're the body of Christ. You know, Casting Crowns wrote a song years ago called If We Are the Body. And the chorus says this, If we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his feet going? Why isn't his love showing them that Jesus is the way? You see, friends, that's what this message is about. Because every member of the body is a minister. Every member is a minister. Years ago, there was a church member that called their church office to say that they saw a homeless man on a street corner in town. The member said to the secretary, I just think we should do something about it as a church. Well, the secretary encouraged that member to be the church and minister that man right there on the spot instead of waiting for a meeting or a benevolence offering. My friend, thank God for a godly secretary like that. You see, that's the thing. The body of Christ has the freedom to be the church 24-7. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. Wherever you go, that's the church going. Wherever you work, that's the body of Christ working. You have permission to be Jesus to the people around you. And when you see a need, meet a need. Don't wait for us to call a meeting about it. You're having a meeting right now. God says go. Freely you've received, freely give, Jesus said. So in conclusion, God wanted me to tell you, every one of you today is created in God's image. Your life began at the moment of conception. Your life is sacred, and your life belongs to God. Well, Pastor Doug, what happened to Norma McCorvey? On February 18th, 2017, McCormey died of heart failure in Katy, Texas, at the age of 69. But when she died, she was still fighting to tell women the truth. Life is precious. Thank God, Norma finally found the truth. Today, Norma is in heaven. And she's seeing all those babies. I believe she's helping to take care of all those babies in heaven. Because her eyes were opened to the truth she couldn't there, there was, can you imagine having that kind of a burden on you knowing that what you did but my friend I'm going to tell you every one of us has skeletons in our closet before Christ we all have a BC story a before Christ story and I want to tell you something it doesn't matter how you were BC this is AD after his death and after our death, amen, when we die, when we get saved, the old man dies, and we are raised a new life in Christ. I've got an A.D. story. Anybody have an A.D. story in Christ today? Because the old man is dead, we've been raised a new life. And I want to tell you something. Life is precious, and salvation is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. 
This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.